Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do cover the movie by Packers, and we don't cry anything else. Let's go! Alright, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Thursday, October 5th. Been exactly a week since I last talked to you guys. I know you probably missed my voice. It's okay. I'm back now. I'm back on Thursday. Today, I'll be back on Monday night to recap the game that we're going to discuss today. And then I'll be right back probably on Wednesday. Uh, It is the Packers bye week after that Monday night game. So we'll sort of see when the episodes come out. But I will do two episodes during the bye week. And then we'll jump right back into the season. For now, let's talk about the Packers-Raiders Monday night football game. And the first thing we always start off with, the injury report. It's getting longer as the season goes on. (laughs) So, So let's talk about it. Jair. He was limited on Thursday with a back. Zane Anderson did not participate with a hamstring. Devondre Campbell did not participate with an ankle. Rudy Ford did not participate with an oblique. Elton Jenkins limited with a knee. Aaron Jones limited with a hamstring. Luke Musgrave full participant with a concussion. John Runyon Jr. did not participate with a groin and ankle injury. Eric Stokes limited with a foot injury. Zach Tom limited with a knee injury. Carrington Valentine full participant with a bicep injury. And then Christian Watson limited with a hamstring injury. On the Vegas side of things, Devontae Adams, he did not participate on Thursday with a shoulder injury. Jacorian Bennett limited with a hamstring and shoulder. Max Crosby, limited with a knee. Jimmy Garoppolo, limited with a concussion. Nate Hobbs, did not participate with an ankle. Malcolm Kuntz, Kunche, limited with a groin. And then David Long, limited with an ankle. So, plenty, plenty, plenty of injuries to go over on the Packers side. I should mention, we only have one day. Despite recording on Thursday, there's only one day on the injury report because they're playing on Monday. So, really, the whole week gets pushed back by one day to a degree. So instead of a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday injury report, we have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday on uh, on this week's injury report. So on Saturday is when we'll get the game statuses out, questionable, all of that. So that's what we have for you. Let's talk a little bit about the injury report. The good news is that a lot of the limited guys seem like they plan on going. Christian Watson, Zach Tom, Carrington Valentine, Aaron Jones, though Carrington was a full participant. They all played against Detroit, seemingly came out of that game fine, and so I would expect them to go again on Monday. Jair Alexander seems like he's going to play. He, I mean, pretty clearly was talking um, like he's going to play. Basically, in his interviews, said straight up, I can't miss this matchup, and I think we all know why. So Jair looks like he's going to give it a go. And then Elton, I mean, TBD on Elton, definitely hope he goes for uh, obvious reasons. The Biggest one being, I don't want Royce Newman on the field. Um, And the second biggest one being Elton's really, really good at football. Um, So that kind of tells you how much I don't want Royce Newman on the field. But those knee MCL sprains, are they're, they're always tricky injuries. And I mean, yes, Elton was limited in Tuesday's practice. So the Packers held a practice on Tuesday. Doesn't count towards the injury report, but sort of like a get back in shape practice after the missed time from Thursday to Tuesday. So they held the practice on Tuesday in which Elton was limited. And then he practiced today in limited fashion. So 
things are looking good for Elton. I'm loving that he's practicing after really sorting, sort of seeming in pain uh, after the Falcons game. It seems like he's feeling a lot better, said he was pain-free, so awesome to hear. Hopefully he's back on the field. We'll sort of see what happens with Elton, but the other limited guys feeling really good about them, except for Eric Stokes, of course. Let's talk quickly about him. Eric Stokes, he's back now. So he is back and practicing in week nine against Detroit last year. He suffered sort of two injuries at the time. He suffered a knee injury and a Liz Frank foot injury. And that was what kept him out for a significant period of time. Then before training camp, we got a report saying Eric Stokes is expected to be back at some point in training camp. He was never back in training camp. He was put on PUP. And so he had to miss the first four weeks of the season. Now we're sort of figuring out that he's also suffered a hamstring injury, presumably working his way back from this knee Liz Frank deal. He suffered a hamstring injury, and that's what I would guess had him on the PUP when it was reported that he'd be back during training camp. So that being said, and all of that out of the way now, hopefully he's on track to come back and be strong. He's likely not going to play Monday. I mean, no, there's no way he plays Monday because they're going to be working him back into the flow, but they brought him back on Tuesday, I want to say, off the PUP list, and that opens up the 21-day window that the Packers have to, he can keep practicing for now, not as a part of the 53, but after 21 days or somewhere within that time period, they have to add him to the 53, make a corresponding move to drop someone off the 53, and then you, um, you get Eric Stokes back. If they don't do that, he's on the PUP for the rest of the season. I mean, don't don't see that happening. So this is that's sort of the deal with Eric Stokes. We'll have to see when he comes back when he plays. Maybe it's the week after the bye. Maybe the week after that. That's, I mean, TBD on that. But Stokes being back is so awesome. It's going to add extra corner depth. Have to be really happy about that. Devondre Campbell. He did not practice. He's hurt. He wasn't even working with the rehab group suffered a high ankle sprain. He said on the first play against the Saints, unlikely to play this week. Yeah, I mean, Matt Matt said they sure hope he's back in, in week seven, but not looking great with Devondre. Kind of need him in run defense right now. Isaiah McDuffie, let's just say they're missing Devondre Campbell. So hopefully he, he can come back sooner than later. And then John Runyon Jr. He was in a walking boot. After the Detroit game, after the Detroit game, he's now working with the rehab group, so that's at least a positive sign. And again, it's not a high ankle sprain for John Runyon Jr. It's just a a standard ankle sprain. So awesome, right? He just sprained his ankle. Maybe maybe he plays Monday, but I would guess if Elton's back, then it's going to be either Newman or Ryan at right guard. And if there's no Elton or John Runyon Jr., you have to imagine that Tom's going to slide into a guard spot, and then Newman or Ryan are going to go to right guard because. You can't imagine having both Newman and Ryan at the two guard spots. That could get really, really ugly. And real quickly, there's some debate going around between Royce Newman and Sean Ryan, who should be starting. Let me say, first of all, I fully expect the Packers to start Royce Newman, I think. Everything they've shown at this point is that they lean towards veteran presences and experience, and so they're going to stick with Royce Newman. I hate that. I think it's a horrible idea. I think it doesn't usually end up working, and I think there's been plenty of instances, example them sticking with Yash at tackle last year over Zach Tom, where it doesn't really work so well. But that's what I guess they do. That being said, what I think they should do is go with Sean Ryan. Because, honestly, how much 
worse could it get? Like, what could Sean Ryan possibly do that makes you think, yeah, this team took a step down from Royce Newman at left guard to Sean Ryan at left guard or at right guard? Because Royce Newman's getting forklifted into the quarterback. I promise you, I don't know exactly what Sean Ryan can do, but I can tell you one thing he can do. He can get forklifted backwards into the quarterback. Sean Ryan's fully capable of that. What else can he do? He can false start. Trust me, Sean Ryan can false start. And so I just, I'm not quite sure what Royce Newman is bringing you that you think John Ryan, Sean Ryan couldn't bring you. And that's sort of where we are. I think Sean Ryan should be starting. If, if Sean Ryan's so terrible that he's worse than Royce Newman, at least you'd know that for sure. At least you've now learned that for sure. But for now, we don't really know that. So I would start Sean Ryan. Packers, probably not going to start Sean Ryan. It's just kind of where we're at. And there's definitely not a lot of depth at that guard spot. I'll tell you that for sure. Last sort of guy I want to talk about with injuries, not on the Packers side, on the Raiders side. Actually, real quick, finishing up the Packers side, Rudy Ford did not practice with an oblique. Hopefully he'll be back. It sounds like there's a chance he can practice Friday. Doesn't sound like a big deal with Rudy Ford, so hopefully he's playing Monday. And then Devontae hurt his shoulder last week against the Chargers. We'll talk more about Devontae later in the episode, but please, God, Devontae. You all know why I want him to play. We will talk about it. Please, God, Devontae play. The last bit of news I want to talk about before we jump into offensive and defensive keys and the game in general The Packers sign linebacker Christian Welch, so with Devondre Campbell out, they bring Christian Welch onto the 53-man roster, an extra linebacker, special teams edition, just some real quick news to get out of the way. With that being said, let's move on to the game against the Raiders. I mean, in general, I think the biggest thing I want to say about this game is Green Bay probably needs to win this football game. Um, Not not because if they lose, the the season's over. I mean, they'll be 2-3. and Plenty of teams who have gone 2-3 and have come back and... I don't know about one Super Bowls because in general, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. Um, the odds of that are pretty small. So chances that teams have started two and three and won the Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know, whatever. But I mean, plenty of teams who started two and three have gone on and had a chance to win a Super Bowl. So it's not like the season's over there. But the Raiders are a bad, bad, bad football team on both sides of the ball. They, when you look at this roster, I think they present on each side of the ball, maybe one really above and beyond player you obviously have Devonte on offense and then max crosby they're all pro level edge rusher on defense aside from that i mean tell me who the raiders have that should scare me like bilal nichols doesn't scare me marcus peters he was good back in 2018 on the rams he doesn't scare me trevon morig out of tcu he doesn't scare me. Jimmy Garoppolo, the guy the 49ers got rid of for Brock Purdy, he doesn't scare me. Josh Jacobs, I guess you could say he kind of scares you a little bit, but he's been very mediocre pedestrian to start this season. And so really beyond Devontae and Max Crosby, it's a lot of replacement level players. And Green Bay is so much more talented in pretty much every way. If you go position by position... Packers, I think, have a better quarterback in Jordan Love than Jimmy G. You could maybe debate that, but I'd make that argument. They have a better running back in Aaron Jones. Wide receiver, I mean, yeah, Devontae is better than any receiver the Packers have, but the Packers probably have more depth at receiver than the Raiders, though the Raiders have a decent receiving core. Tight end, uh, you know, you don't hate what what the Raiders are putting out there, but it's nothing 
incredible on the offensive line. Packers offensive line, even as banged up as it is, looks significantly better. Defensive line, Packers look significantly better. The one guy the Raiders have, Max Crosby, you can match that with Rashawn Gary. Linebackers, Packers look better having Koi Walker. Cornerback, Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas instantly take out any sort of threat the the Raiders have at cornerback and then safety is kind of a crap show for both the Packers and Raiders I guess the one real position where you say the Raiders are better is kicker and that's Daniel Carlson the brother of Anders Carlson and I mean Anders Carlson hasn't missed a kick to start this year so Green Bay is basically more talented than the Raiders in in every way what does that mean it means they should win this football game the last thing I want to say in terms of talent, Matt LaFleur, significantly better coach than Josh McDaniels. So the Packers, this is a game you'd think on paper, how can you not win this game? It's a get back on track game. It's a Monday night football game. It's a game where Green Bay should be able to come in, put up points, and prevent the Raiders from putting up points. It should be offense coming in and being impressive, defense being impressive. But that's not the Packers we've gotten this year. We, we haven't gotten that. 2020, 2021 Packers, where they're able to go out there and they're able to win the games they're supposed to win. The Packers have been super inconsistent. And that, I mean, that's kind of what you get with a young team. I said going into the season, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, there's been ups, and there's been downs. They sucked, sucked for three quarters, three or four quarters against the Lions, screwed themselves over for three quarters versus the Saints. They did ball out for one quarter versus the Saints. They looked awesome for three quarters against Atlanta. They blew a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. They looked awesome for the last two quarters against Chicago, but didn't look like world beaters for the first two against Chicago. It has been a massive roller coaster. And so while legitimately everything from players and the scheme standpoint, while all of that should point to Green Bay winning, it's still so hard to know. And it's I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a coin flip game here, but it's a game where the Packers could easily lose this game and they could so easily win this game. So it's hard to know what to expect, but Green Bay, let's see you come in and get back on track. And that sort of takes me right into my offensive notes. My first offensive notes is the path to an identity. This is That's exactly what this game could provide because on the defensive side, we know exactly what the Packers' philosophy is on the defensive side. It's a bend-but-don't-break philosophy. We're going to force the offense to drive 80 yards on 15 plays. We're assuming a mistake's going to be made somewhere along the way, whether it's a holding call, getting them into first and 20, or you know a nice defensive stop against the run, putting them into second or third and long. You know That's the philosophy. The, there's just one small problem with the, the philosophy. It's that the philosophy sucks. It doesn't work. The players, not only do they have players that don't play well within the philosophy because you have no real run stoppers along your defensive front, aside from Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton at times, not only is that a problem, but the philosophy in general hasn't been proven to work too well. And that is kind of the problem with the defense. On the offensive side, there's almost the opposite issue. There's no philosophy. Everything else has been really damn positive so far, if I do say so myself. I mean, you can't really run block too well uh, at this point, but pass pro has been awesome, aside from against the Lions, which you can almost throw out. Every wide receiver, they've been flashing boatloads of potential. You can go down the list. Jaden Reed, 
boatloads of potential. Romeo Dobbs, same thing. Dontavian Wicks, same thing. Jordan Love's looked pretty good. Matt LaFleur's been scheming things up to get guys open. His playmaking, not playmaking, play designing has been super impressive. Speaking of playmaking, you've got playmakers everywhere on this offense. Watson, Jones, Musgrave, Reed. The issue is that there's no philosophy. There's no semblance of a normal offense. And I think that in this game, it's time for Green Bay to get on their way to finding their identity. And I think there's there's some choices for that identity that can be sort of whatever, but I would guess the easiest identity to find and one that Green Bay's been really relying on under Matt LaFleur is this Shanahan idea of zone runs, setting up bootlegs, setting up play action passes, the run setting up the pass. And Vegas has been bad, abysmal on defense against the run this year. One of the worst run defenses in football. They just gave up over 150 yards on the ground to the Chargers, who not only have, you know, a middling offensive line. It's not bad, but it's not incredible like the Eagles. Not only did they give up 150 yards to the Chargers with that kind of offensive line, they gave up, they gave up 150 yards to the Chargers with that kind of offensive line and their superstar running back, Austin Eckler, being out. This could be the chance for Green Bay to get back into zone blocking, not man blocking. Let's let's make this clear. I mean, sure, when you run the ball, of course, you're going to sometimes have to run some man blocking schemes. That's how football works. But you can run a lot more zone blocking. That's something Green Bay can be predicated off of. And that's something they're going to have to be predicated off of from a from a run blocking standpoint, because they don't have pure power guys anywhere. But. Again, in this zone blocking, you don't need these pure power guys. All you need is guys that are agile enough and are able to execute. And that's what we've been missing from a run blocking standpoint, the execution part, the sound technique, the hitting your landmarks, getting there, blocking the right people at the right time with the right timing. That has not been there. It lacked, it's lacked, it's been lacking all year, especially against the Lions, with the longer week, the hope is that Green Bay hones in a little bit on this run blocking technique, is able to focus on the little things, the execution of the zone blocking, come back, maybe it looks better. Maybe now you've got some sort of run game going. Again, to get this run game going, you don't need dominant forces up front, Quentin Nelson's just driving people backwards. You need to be sound in the details. That's something that's lacked tremendously versus Detroit. I mean, not to mention the fact that their line was banged up. But hopefully you can come back stronger now versus the Raiders. The details look a little bit better. Zach Tom comes back healthier. Maybe Elton Jenkins plays. And Aaron Jones gets handed the ball more. All of a sudden you get, you get some sort of running game going. Now you can start feeding into the play action game. Because now you've got this respectable running game going. Okay, now we work in this play action. And that's where things really start picking up because then you're getting the ball to your playmakers. You can hit Musgrave over the middle. You can start hitting Christian Watson in literally every way imaginable. You can hit Dobbs, Reed. The list goes on, right? Getting this just a little bit of a running game going the point to the point where you're able to get into second and four, third and four, third and three, these short downs and distances that opens things up at all levels. Because now, linebackers can't just kind of shrug off your play-action passes and play the pass. Like we saw the, the Lions do last week, right? On that Jordan Love interception, Alex Anzalone, 
took kind of one, maybe one and a half steps up towards the line half-heartedly because he's like, I guess I kind of have to be up here because there's a small chance they run the ball, was able to quickly jump right back into coverage, jump up, and swat Jordan's pass away. If you run the ball better, linebackers have to start respecting that, and then you start hitting the little hole shots over the middle. You're breaking the defensive defenses with Luke Musgraves. Now you're into third and one, second and one, boom, play action, deep ball, Christian Watson, touchdown. Now, of course, not every play is going to be a play action pass. Of course not. But, and we've seen this for years now, you get the run game going, you get the play action game going, and boom, now your offense is in a rhythm. And if you're able to find these ways within rhythm to get into second and one, third and one, you're in advantageous situations. You're able to get plays going off of each other. You're able to sequence plays better, and you're able to hit your explosives. One of my favorite things that we saw against the Bears was the Packers would send Watson in motion all the time. You send Watson from the right side of the formation to the left side of motion, and then you run a stretch back across the other way. So you send motion... You send Watson in motion from right to left, you run a stretch, then to the right side, and, you know, you pick up some number of yards. Maybe you do that three, four times, you're consistently getting six yards, then one play, you do the same thing, you motion Watson from right to left, but this time you give him a jet sweep, boom, he takes it around the edge, 65-yard touchdown. That is the way that this offense can become extremely potent when you start mixing the talent from a scheme standpoint and the talent from a personnel standpoint with an identity, the run game, the play action game, meshing all of those, that is where this becomes dangerous. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the run game setting up the pass. I would expect that to be how it works because that's how we've seen it go under Matt LaFleur. But you can look at the Dolphins as a different example. They almost use the pass game to set up the run. They are able to use play-action passes at the start of the game to spring Tyree Kill for massive, massive, massive plays. Tyree Kill just kind of runs a crosser in between zones. Tua finds him, and Tyree Kill takes it down the field for a 75-yard touchdown. So you're already thinking, all right, whoa, we have to stop that. So... The linebackers, maybe they're a little bit scared to come up and play the run, and they're dropping back really, really far. Dolphins, guess what? They just start handing it off. They're handing it off to Raheem Mostert, Devon A-Chain. They're handing it off to their speedy playmakers. Running backs are getting eight yards at a time. Now it's second and two. Backers are maybe coming up, trying to fill the run a little bit. Play action, Dolphins, two at a Tyree kill, whole shot touchdown. If the Packers find some way, like touch passes, screen passes, run solutions, anything like that to get into these advantageous second and two, third and ones, anything like that, that's fine. It doesn't have to be the run game getting you there. But there has to be some palpable rhythm with which Green Bay is playing that sets up these explosives, that keeps defenses off balance. And I think that's going to start in this game. I think this is where we start seeing the offensive identity pick up. Maybe it comes after the bye week, but I hope that in this game, you're going to be able to pick on the Raiders. They're, they have a starting corner who struggled a hell of a lot. His name, Jacorian Bennett, fourth rounder. You better believe they're going to want to pick on him, but there has to be a rhythm to letting Watson go to work on him. It can't just be three and out after three and out because Green Bay is trying to huck it for Jesus to a matchup they like with Watson on Bennett get an identity going, get into these advantageous downs. And in the end, what I want to see at the end of this game is 
I don't expect them to look awesome for four quarters, but maybe you've got a quarter, something we can look at and not just say there's positives from an individual playmaking and you know play design standpoint here, but there's positives from a, I really see the progression in how this offense is building, where it's the run, setting up the play action game, setting up these explosives. That's what I'm looking for in this game. And I think that's where we're starting. And hopefully we get to see a quarter or two of that in this game. The second offensive note is get back on track. It's kind of like the first note, right, in building an identity. But what I want to focus on here is more individual player performances or position group performances. Because the offense, I mean, I guess they had a decent third quarter against the Lions, but other than that, they looked pretty freaking bad. And I think there's kind of three big things you can chalk that up to. Number one, the offensive line was not healthy. Number two, Watson and Jones were on snap counts. And number three, Matt and Jordan were hucking the ball 50 yards downfield. And I think that in this game, you can look for those things to be cleaned up. And if they are cleaned up, get ready for more offensive success. Along the offensive line, they weren't healthy. Zach Tom, with an extra week and a half to heal up his knee, hopefully he looks better. He, he didn't have the best game on Thursday. Elton Jenkins, maybe he's back. That would be a massive benefit. And then perhaps most importantly... The Packers aren't facing a defensive front as dominant as Detroit. The Raiders, yes, they have Max Crosby, all-pro pass rusher, but it drops off a cliff beyond that. And as long as you're dealing with Max Crosby, whether it's Rasheed Walker and, dare I say, Royce Newman doubling him or Rasheed Walker and Elton Jenkins doubling him, as long as you're able to deal with Max Crosby well enough, your pass protection should be fine. So offensive line all of a sudden looks better there. From a receiver standpoint... They have the opportunity to have a field day, especially if Christian Watson is out there and he's out there for, you know, 70, 80% of the snaps because there are no corners on the Raiders that scare you at all. I mentioned it. Mark and Pete, Marcus Peters, yeah, he was good back in 2008. There's no one in that Raiders secondary that's dangerous, and that's going to lead to opportunities for every single receiver. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks. Going back to the first key now, doesn't mean Green Bay can chuck it 50 yards downfield every play, but when they're in these advantageous positions, you're going to have a chance to make plays, especially with the offensive line now holding up. And then the last thing, the last thing that I really hated about the Packers-Lions game from an offensive standpoint was the hucking it for Jesus. The real question in this game is, does that get fixed? Does Jordan end up taking the checkdowns in this game? Does Matt start running the ball? Because if they do that... That's how you get into the rhythm. Matt's running the ball. Oh, look at that. You're in second and four. Jordan's taking checkdowns. Guess what? Instead of going incomplete after scrambling to the right to Aaron Jones on the first play against Detroit, maybe you take the quick pass to, to Romeo Dobbs and you pick up seven yards. And now it's second and three. Don't get me wrong. I love that Jordan have this, has this confidence and playmaking attitude about him. But hey, buddy, check it down. Take the seven yards, it's second and three, now you run play action, now you can take your deep shot to Christian Watson, right? That is what I want to see, and that's what I'm hoping we're going to get to start seeing in this Raiders game. So that's what I have on the offensive side of the ball. First thing's finding an identity, and then the second thing is watching for these things to get cleaned up. These little things, things that are super easy to get cleaned up. Offensive line getting healthier. Watson and Jones out there on more snaps, and Jordan and Matt playing more within themselves. On the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of things wrong with this defense right now, but the biggest thing that's not wrong with them is the pass rush. And that's why my first note, well, partially why, my first note is pressure Jimmy G. Because Jimmy G is not a great quarterback. His success with the San Francisco 49ers came, 
I don't want to say fully, because Jimmy deserves some credit. He did put up the stats in the end, but comes mostly from Kyle Shanahan. Kyle was kind of the, the puppet master there. He, he basically told Jimmy what to do. Jimmy did it. But Jimmy was still prone to mistakes, i.e. crappy decisions. And those usually came with pressure in his face, because with pressure in his face, Jimmy G can kind of crumple just a little bit. And so Green Bay, get after Jimmy G. And Green Bay struggled with that against the Lions. They weren't awesome at getting after the quarterback, aside from Rashawn Gary. Good news, Raiders offensive line is much worse than the Lions. Let's see every single pass rusher on Green Bay start getting after Jimmy G. Rashawn Gary, I mean, we already know what he's doing, but the other guys, they've been struggling. Lucas Van Ness, he's had flashes, but he's really struggled against the pass since uh, since the elbow injury. Enoch Bari also has had flashes, but not a dominant presence. And then Preston Smith, Justin Hollins, I mean, they add basically nothing from a pass rush standpoint. So those top three guys, Lucas, Van Ness, Kingsley Enoch Bari, and then Rashawn Gary, I'm looking at you, Rashawn, man, he could dominate this game. And that's what I want to see from him. LVN and Enoch Bari, especially where I'm looking at you guys, you guys need to step up. Lucas Van Ness, he's shown a lot of promise versus the run, but he could be much better versus the pass as a, as a pass rush guy. He still doesn't look like he has much of a plan. Maybe he comes into this game, show off the power because we know how good he is with the, with the power moves. Maybe Lucas Van Ness throws in a, a, a nice little swim move or something. Hopefully, with the elbow healing up a little bit, he can come out, put some dominant pass rushes together. Enoch Bari was dominant in the preseason, has struggled a little bit versus both the run and the pass this season. Need him to start picking some things up. Maybe this is the game where he's able to do it, able to capitalize on a relatively weak Raiders offensive line, use the speed that Enoch Bari has around the edge, use that as a changeup from the power presented by Van Ness and Rashawn. Let's see if we can get after Jimmy, because if you get after Jimmy... Not so good throws coming from uh, from the Raiders quarterback, which means Packers maybe get the opportunity to get turnovers. And at the very least, you get the opportunity to get three and outs. The second defensive key is the run defense bouncing back. Now, uh, I hate saying this because the Packers have been so abysmal from a run defense standpoint this year, but there is a chance here for Green Bay's run defense to bounce back in a big way. And it's an interesting discussion that I think we're, we're going to have to have during the, the bye week about the deeper issues behind this run defense it, because it goes beyond just players. It goes beyond just scheme. But in this game, Green Bay needs to get some confidence back. And Las Vegas has been one of the worst running attacks on the ground this year. Jacobs, he was one of the best backs in the league last year, but not so much this year. They've been pretty pedestrian on the ground it's time for the Packers to step up. Don't let Vegas kickstart things on the ground. We need Kenny. Continue being Kenny. TJ, stand up. TJ Slayton, like, be that be that dude next to Kenny. Carl Brooks, he's looked surprisingly good. Rashawn Gary, Van Ness, they've both looked good on the edge versus the run. We need Green Bay to prioritize getting those guys snaps, prioritize getting Kenny, TJ, Van Ness, Carl Brooks, Rashawn Gary. Prioritize getting those guys on the field on early running downs to shut down Vegas and make them a completely one-dimensional approach. Then you let the pass rush tee off. This this is not, I'm not asking for the world here. I'm not, it's not like I'm asking them to, to shut down the Lions offense. Beat Las Vegas, who plenty of teams have beaten this season. 
That's what I want to see. So run defense, let's bounce back and then get after Jimmy G. That brings me to my players to watch. My first player to watch, Jaden Reed. Now, Jaden Reed's been awesome for Green Bay the last few weeks. And I'm looking for that to continue in a big way against the Vegas Raiders because now he hasn't gotten a huge number of touches the last, well, especially last week against Detroit, but he's had a massive play in both of the last two weeks. He had the massive, you know, 40 yard catch from Jordan Love on the rainbow against Detroit and then had the massive 30 yard catch against the Saints, the diving, the catch where he laid out um, down the you know, on the little slot fade against the Saints to set up the go-ahead touchdown. And I expect to see another big play from him versus Vegas. Hopefully Green Bay can get him some favorable matchups in the slot. Jordan definitely trusts Jaden. And I expect with weaker Vegas corners, Jordan's going to test them a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I wanted to take Christian Watson here, but I'm worried about taking either him or Jones because they're both still coming back from injuries. Not sure how much they're going to play. But Jaden Reed, he's another guy that brings the speed element. I expect them to take some deep shots with him, and hopefully it's second and two. Slot fade to Jaden Reed. Touchdown Packers. That's what I want to see. So Jaden Reed, hoping for a big performance from him. And then my defensive player to watch, Jair Alexander. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the one thing that really I've been ignoring all episode. The thing that you kind of have to mention. Jair and Devontae. The quotes on both sides just leading up to this have been awesome. On Jair's side, he said when talking about Devontae, quote, he's the best in the league. He's just quick. I could go on and on, but he's the best. I'm going to leave it at that. Jair also talked about how Devontae and him would talk in training camp, how Devontae would give him pointers, which, I mean, we already knew, but there's just something so nostalgic about coming back to that. On Devontae's side, he said, when talking about Jair, quote, he's one of the most locked-in players. Devontae then told the story about how he had his first 1v1 versus Jair in training camp, and when Tay came back to the locker room, Jair was already on the iPad, was ready to ask Devontae questions about his route. Devontae then said, you know, when sort of asked about his role in creating Jair, he said, quote, I didn't create that monster, but he definitely turned into one. I think there's pretty clearly a massive mutual respect between both sides, and it's going to be awesome to see that play out. Now, there's a slight chance that this matchup could be jeopardized. The first chance comes from Devontae's shoulder. He hurt his shoulder last week, did not return, did return, sorry, did return to the game last week against the Chargers, but then did not practice this Thursday. He did say today when he was talking that his shoulder was feeling good, it was getting better and better, and he totally was talking like he was going to play, so hopefully that's not an issue, but again, not practicing on Thursday, not awesome, so hopefully his shoulder's okay. And then the last thing is there's kind of the fact that corners in today's NFL don't really shadow receivers, and that becomes especially true with Joe Barry. Now, that being said, I definitely expect you'll see some Jair versus Devontae. The question becomes how much? Are we seeing five reps of Jair versus Devontae or maybe more like 15? That's going to be the matchup where even if there's just five reps, you want to have your popcorn ready because not only is it the league's top receiver going up against the top three cornerback in the NFL, it's two players who used to play together, who know each other well, who clearly have a bunch of respect for each other. Man, 
when you're watching this, you're going to want to have your popcorn popped, buttered, and ready to rock because this might be the most fun matchup of this year for, for the Packers. And I think Jair put it best. When asked about whether there was any way in his mind he could ever miss this matchup, he said, quote, I wouldn't say it's like the Super Bowl or the playoffs, but it's kind of like that. Well said, Jair. That's what I have for you. Thank you very, very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I'll be back on Monday after the Packers have hopefully waxed the Las Vegas Raiders, though maybe we give Devontae, you know, a touchdown just uh, for old time's sakes. That's what I have for you. Thank you so much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I'll be back on Monday, but until then, hope for a Packers victory. And until next time, go Pack, go! Go!